Welcome to Country, a home of Canada's queer media. My name is Luke Smith. And I'm Sebastian. I, uh, I've had a pretty relaxing weekend. Um, the Netflix actually bought up or has the, the, the viewing rights, I suppose, for the Studio Ghibli, the Japanese animation studio out of Tokyo. Mm-hmm. And um, I noticed there's a few things on there that I'm like, I've always seen them around, but never sat down and actually committed myself to, to you know, watching and, and uh, watching through. Mm-hmm. Um, including Spirited Away, watched that yesterday, a couple of days ago. But the one that I, I really quite liked that I watched recently was Princess uh, Mononoke. But I feel like television viewers in the 2020s are way yes. more willing to sit and read subtitles than the, you know, the, the television viewers of you know, the 2000s even. Oh, yeah, almost definitely. But I, I would say that a lot of it had to do with availability because I remember in the 90s watching a lot of subtitled movies on uh, Showcase. One of my favorite movies is actually a German movie that's considered obscure even in Germany. Um, and it's because I saw it at midnight on Showcase. And I remember um, I watched a lot of Chinese movies at the time. Now, the the 90s, China was making like some, you know, can festival art house kind of like beautiful works of cinema uh 2000s and 2010s not so much they're kind of going through their like 1980s period of cinema right now where it's all entertaining garbage popcorn movies uh but a lot of really serious art at the time but in order to see it you had to have you know you had to have cable and with Netflix, uh, all you need is an internet connection and either, what is it, six bucks a month or a mom who's willing to give you a part of her account. And there's a lot of people out there who are going splitsies on it. And now they're watching, like, it, there, there's just an availability to it, really. Now, that said, there's, also, there's a lot on YouTube. I was actually talking recently with my roommate about... Um, there, there was an explosion in really weird, surrealist um, children's movies coming out of Canada in the 1980s. So if you don't know what I'm talking about, uh, then and you do know Canadian movies, and I'm talking about things like The Peanut Butter Solution, Bach and Broccoli, The, the Young Magician, The Dog Who Stopped the War, like all these really surrealist things. And they're all on YouTube. And the ones that are in French are subtitled and the ones that are in English, sometimes they're available subtitled in French. So there's a lot out there. And I think a lot of it just comes down to, you know, the availability. Um, People are a lot more willing to sit through that. But I think it's also, there's a lot more out there. And uh, the fact that especially TV, movies not so much, but definitely TV producers have been underestimating the intelligence of their audience for far too long. I mean, I don't know if you've watched anything from the 80s. Now, when you have something like, you know, not even just Netflix, you also have all the the Amazon things and the Crave things and Disney Channel, and they can put on reruns from decades past. And now people are watching, you know, Deadwood. Uh, We just finished watching Avatar The Last Airbender yesterday. You know, you can watch these really good products from the past and say, like, well, you know, why hasn't that happened again since? You know, why haven't we had another, I don't know, community? It, it, it depends on what you're looking for. But uh, so, I, yeah, I think people are just a little bit more open minded. And now that they're saying that, like, well, you know, 
there's a lot of really good things coming out of Central America and Japan and Korea and France and Germany that they're they're getting pretty open minded about what they're willing to. Well, which actually also kind of taps into the little you know bug in my ear about um, independent queer cinema. There's a lot of really good movies out there. You've complained before that a lot of gay movies are depressing tales about gay teenagers who get beaten to death or, you know, gay lovers where one of them dies of HIV. And they, they tend to be pretty, there's a lot that are pretty grim, but if you're willing to expand your horizons, you see a lot of like, you know, Dutch and German movies about, you know, two kids who met at football camp and have a little burgeoning love where people kind of disapprove, but it's more because they're from opposite ends of the country and what's going to happen to their relationship at the end of summer. And that's actually, I think the plot of a real movie, but anyway, you can actually see a little bit more, your horizons expand when you're willing to read subtitles. But we actually, we got an email from the uh, National Film Board. Okay. I love the NFB. National Film Board is fantastic. And uh, they let us know that if you go to nfb.ca forward slash channels forward slash LGBTQ2, um, they have Mm -hmm. an entire channel of LGBTQ2 uh, movies and shorts, including Love Scott. Love Scott's on there. They have a, oh. a lot of great minis, including uh, Love in Quarantine. So there's a great okay. range on there. And the reason why you know I bring it up is that sometimes finding what you want to look at can be you know the Netflix shuffle game. You know what's coming up next. Mm. And for me, I always try to watch something that expands my horizon, makes me think, you know, for example, the Mm -hmm. I Am Skylar by Rachel Bauer, which is uh, about the experiences of trans people, in addition to Booty by Christina Willings, which is also on there. So this gives you the chance to kind of get a sense of, you know, other people's lived experiences within the queer community. And it is free and it is on the National Mm -hmm. Film Board. So um, we're not sponsored by them, but uh, it's a great initiative. It actually occurred to me the other day that the 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 famous uh, Brian, I think it's Brian Larkin short walking from 1968, I think, uh, impacted my taste in music. I remember seeing it as a kid and I remember the music from it just blew my mind. And ever since then, I, I listened to a lot of music that sounds like that. So if you want to know what I like, just watch walking. It's like two minutes long, maybe three. But anyway, so what are we going to next? Now, I wanted to mention um, an interesting story out of uh, Halifax, Nova Scotia. Um, so, yeah, they uh, the Queer Garden launched in June in a North End backyard as a temporary space uh, for people to gather over the summer. Now, Halifax and other markets around Ontario, uh, around Canada, sorry, um, have struggled with bars being able to be uh, to stay open. It's been a, it's been mm-hmm. a huge challenge uh, financially, um, and during yep. the pandemic and prior to the pandemic, we saw a number of queer institutions uh, shutting shop because they just mm-hmm. they weren't able to to survive. Um, but they're still back garden pop up space. Um, I believe yes. is now looking for the for a permanent location. They're, they're in the process of uh, trying to figure out where it goes next. Apparently, they can't keep going in the backyard when it's going to snow, so it might get cold. Like, you could probably have a dozen people back there, but probably not 50. Then you got fire code regulation, 
And then that's just not appropriate. Yeah. Man. And do you know how they uh, avoid the sound uh, issue? They wear those headsets where they would <laughs> like the headphones that have the music on them. You, you've oh, seen those quiet like discos the... that, uh, that pop up. Yeah, silent raves. Exactly. Yeah. Um, great opportunity for, I think, a station to team up with them, but that's just uh, that's just me thinking. Um, but yeah, they are <laughs> looking to uh, move to a new location, a permanent location. And uh, let me just jump back down. Um, uh, but they might be doing pop-ups between now and then. So we will keep an eye on this kind of creative Halifax pop-up and vibe and see how that comes out. If anyone has been, let us know what you thought of it. Uh, tweet us at TalkCanQueer, and uh, we'd love to know your thoughts. Um, now, another gay bar that is uh, struggling is, is the gay bar, the G-A-Y in Manchester. Now, you read a little mm -hmm. bit more into this, and there's a Willy Wonka connection, I believe. <laughs> not, <laughs> not really. Uh, basically, uh, uh, the GAY bar in Manchester is a, a decades-old institute. It's been around since before it was legal to be around. Uh, well, I mean, under some form or another. Um, and uh, the current owner uh, sold it to a friend for, they didn't say the exact amount, but it, it's your basic, you know, sell it for a dollar kind of a situation. Um, granting it upon a friend because the current owner is just dealing with some personal issues, but it was more important to them that the space have continuity, that it stay open, that it continue to serve the market than it was for the former owner to get fair marketplace value in a sale. So um, I actually used to work at a, a gay bar that went through a very similar thing where the, the, two, the, the couple who founded it ended up selling it to the manager for I don't remember how much it was, but it was not fair market value. It was like a hundred bucks and, and they got the half the tip jar or something like that. And it was very minimal, but they were more interested in keeping the bar open than they were in, you know, making a profit. They, they started the bar for a reason. They got out of it what they wanted. They had uh, issues that are not my story to share on air, but they, they did have issues. They needed to, to hand it off to someone and this kind of thing happens. And, um, you know, as tragic as it is that the the former owner of the gay bar in Manchester felt that he had to, you know, unload it from his life, it it is a kind of a positive story, nevertheless. That the the importance of the bar, uh, you know, he 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 did recognize that. So that's it's not a it's not an elaborate story, but you know, it's kind of a positive story. We we we're going to leave our listeners alone for a few minutes as they listen to part of you by Stella Soul from their Cherry Street album. This is uh, the first track of their album. Uh, we're excited. All of their releases are fantastic. They kind of fuse jazz and pop together to make a pretty fun sound. This is Part of You by Stella Soul, and we'll be back just after this. Needs a 
welcome back to Cancri, a home of Canada's Korean media. My name is Luke Smith. And I'm Sebastian. And uh, I want to talk about something which raised a lot of eyebrows. And it, okay. was, not, uh, it was not great. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to start off with a statement by the Hazard Independent School District Superintendent, uh, Sandra Combs, uh, issued a statement. Who is this? Where is this? Uh, it is in Kentucky, okay, in the United States. Mm-hmm. And uh, here is the statement. I'm going to use this statement from the school board to set the scene, as it were. Okay. And I quote First, I wish to address some questions around the incident. The activities the incident. were part of homecoming festivities. Mm -hmm. and were driven by the students. We strive to foster creativity in our students, but unfortunately this time it was carried too far. Spirit Week at Hazard High School has has a long and celebrated tradition. Homecoming activities were planned as a celebration for students, staff, and the school community. All were intended to be fun and good-natured. However, the activities did not play out as intended. Oh. Now, you may well be asking, Sebastian, what, uh-huh. is, what is the hazard that occurred at this particular school? Uh, um, that sounds like a drunk driving incident from the, the tone. I know. It sounds like the world has ended when the school principal has to issue this, uh, this announcement. Well, there was a, an investigation into their homecoming activities, Mm-hmm. Um, covered by CBS uh, 46, the local channel. Well, what I can tell you is that there were photos of um, some of the cheerleaders doing a bit of a strip tease, nothing too gregarious. Okay. Um, they got dressed up with Hooters t-shirts, I think, for one uh, particular routine. Um, and Probably at one point, not appropriate for 16-year-olds, but not illegal either. Yeah, and I, uh, I don't. I, at one point, um, I imagine somebody from the uh, American football team is pretending to give a lap dance to what I believe is one of the coaches. Now, okay. this is not appropriate. I will be the first. To say, I'm not approved by any stretch, but I think giving even a pretend lap dance to any faculty member or staff member or anybody else in the public setting of a school assembly is, uh, is very much a no. Mm-hmm. And uh, their, their staff advisors should probably have, um, have addressed it off the bat. However, the media in Kentucky hasn't been quite as forgiving as you and I may have been. Okay, uh, yes. PG Media reported that the Kentucky High School proudly posts photos of scantily clad male students giving male teachers lap dances, uh, which was a snippet of what happened. And, uh, bit and this was at the event where teenage girls came out in Hooters uh, yeah, yeah. tank tops, basically. Exactly. It was a school assembly. All the cheerleaders are there. All the, you know, uh, football team is there. Everyone is there. Right. Okay. Uh, they go on to say, and I quote, with public libraries bringing in drag queens to indoctrinate preschoolers in the glories of sexual libertinism, 
Netflix mm-hmm. sexualizing prepubescent girls and Lego bringing out an LGBTQ set. It isn't really all that surprising that the aptly named Hazard High School in Hazel, Kentucky, recently held a man pageant featuring female students dressed as hooters, waitresses, and male students dressed only in male or female underwear, my gosh, giving lap dances to wildly smiling teachers and school officials, including the school principal, Donald Happy Merbellini. Were they smiling or were they smirking awkwardly because they didn't know what else to do? Well, according to the according to the PG media, they were smiling haplessly. And uh, the luckless happy is, by the way, not only the principal of Hazard, but the mayor of the city of Hazard, the principal and the mayor of Hazard. So, yeah, I mean, let's get it. Let's take a step back here. This was an interesting event in Mm -hmm. that. I think. Anyone who has been watching uh, sex education on uh, Netflix or anyone that works with uh, our youth uh, and young people today must be aware that uh, young people are not abstinent nuns who no, have yeah. vowed celibacy and, and uh, you know, never looketh in the direction of temptation. You know, that's just not what schools look like. And it sure as heck wasn't what it looked, what it looked like when I was in school, which was, uh, you know, not all that long ago. Um, mm-hmm. you know. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. Do you think this is just a bit of excitement gone too far? If there was a line, how far over or under that line would you say this falls? Well, there's a few things that jump out at me. So, you know, the the sexualization of teenage girls is all, you know, well and good. It's just a good part of being an American. But then the sexualization of teenage boys is perverse. And the way that I see it either, you know, it's both or neither. And I think uh, I, I kind of... I'm uncomfortable with either, to be, to be honest. Uh, the other thing is, um, and I do agree with you that, you know, uh, human beings become sexual creatures around puberty. But there is still this idea of trying to be a good mentor to the, the, to the youth about how to you know, express your, your sexualization, your, your sexuality with dignity and how to keep it in your pants with you're in a public space in a professional setting. You, know, you, you don't wear lingerie to a board meeting, ideally. Um, you know, nothing with a, a peekaboo cutout around the butt is appropriate if you're giving a speech to the UN. There, there's a time and a place for everything and, and knowing when to do what I think is very important. So from that angle of, you know, this was not the time and place for teenagers to express their sexuality and to explore their sexuality in public. I agree with that. Uh, I think for it to become the incident that it has, I think is a bit of an inflation. I think it's just an issue of someone should sit down and talk with these folks about what would be considered appropriate. Some of it is pearl clutching. Um, some, some of it is slippery slope arguments. Sometimes slippery slope ar- arguments are valid, but usually they're not. So, I mean, it's, I don't know, it's, it's complicated. I don't know. I get it, but I also think, yeah, they're, they're, they're giving it a nine when they should be giving it a three. Absolutely. I mean, I wonder if the, the sort of outraged uh, you know, Christian pearl clutchers in Kentucky mm. honestly believe that these, you know, 16, 17 year old boys are actually trying to give a genuine lap dance 
to not only that principal, but also the mayor of the city. I'm like, you know, is did they wake up that day and choose, you know, it's just, I can't wrap my mind around <laughs> anyone who takes it that particularly seriously. I do think this is just high school shenanigans and, it uh, is, yeah. you know, and hijinks and those other words that they said in the 50s. And I just, I don't know, I think this is going too far. But why I'm talking about this is because they zeroed in not on, you know, the, the senior class girls in Hooters outfits, mm. but on the, you know, the boys dressed up in male underwear and female underwear, heaven mm-hmm. forbid, um, and, and giving their attempts at, uh, at a lap dance. Um, I don't know. And just making it, they made it a gay issue as if it is the the peak of immorality, the, the peak of, mm. of corruption, when everything else around it, the sexualization of these young women was, you know, barely a side mention. I was actually thinking, uh, this is something that I've seen frequently on British television, uh, something that men often do, where it, uh, your discomfort with my body is going to be the joke. How often men on on British comedy shows take their shirts off um, when they have less than perfect bodies and they're like, yeah, look at me, I'm all natural. And then watching other people squirm is the joke. And I think that is fundamentally what this is. these, These teenage boys weren't out there to give a lap dance. They were there to use their bodies as like a tool of awkwardness in, in, Maybe a comedy routine that's not appropriate for that kind of setting, but I, I've seen that comedy routine many times before where where that is, you know, the joke that you're not comfortable with something that I am comfortable with. So I don't know, maybe maybe you could say something about, you know, non-consensual touching. I don't know if they actually made contact with with their butts to the principal's lap, but uh Oh no, I don't I don't believe that that happened. Okay, um, well then. But yeah, I mean, all in all, uh, consider pearls clutched, I think, uh, at the end of that story. <laughs> now, I want to move on to um, an interesting story about someone who is being held accountable for homophobic slurs. Ooh. Now, in Mexico, the okay. Mexican uh, soccer follow, football soccer um, fans mm-hmm. uh, have a bit of a reputation for hurling homophobic slurs at anyone and everyone who happens to be opposing the Mexican team at the time. Okay. Uh, including quite recently Canada's team um, where the Mexican team were found guilty by FIFA, uh, which is the, the governing body for international football. Um, mm-hmm. They found that in their most recent disciplinary review for the Mexican team that they, and I quote, the Mexican team was guilty of discriminatory behavior by supporters during games against uh, Canada and Honduras. Okay. This is not the first time that overly rowdy, but not just rowdy, but homophobic Mm -hmm. uh, crowds yelling homophobic slurs has been called to account uh, in Mexico. They were forced to host a game with an empty stadium um, earlier in the year. Oh, wow. Uh, But uh, that didn't uh, have much of an effect. So this time they've been fined roughly the equivalent of 110,000 US um, for, you know, this this conduct. And they've been told to play the next two games to empty stadiums. Now, that is a major financial hit to to a major sports team. 
Well, this kind of taps into the issue that keeps coming out of the UK where um, uh, uh, individuals in the, the stands uh, are throwing bananas at uh, black players. Surely you've heard of this. And one of the issues that a lot of the, the team owners are saying is, you know, we are very supportive. We do everything we can to make our own members feel welcome. We cannot control the behavior of the audience. We're not sure what you want us to do. So when, when you force them to have empty, sta uh, empty stands, uh, you are punishing the audience. They, they can't be there. You know, the, the fans can't see their own team play, but you're also punishing the team. And I don't I don't know much about the Mexican team, but I just know from seeing the debates in the UK, a lot of people are saying we are doing everything we we can. But the audience is ultimately, you know, they're we, we can't really control them per se. So uh, it's a difficult issue. I, I'm not sure how to address it. Well, it's, I mean, it's estimated to cost them millions of dollars for each of their games. I mean, Costa Rica on January 20th and Panama on February 2nd are the, are the two games that will be impacted. Okay. But, I mean, for me, I disagree. I think if someone threw a banana at, uh, you know, an opera or, or a smaller event, you know, okay. they would quite quickly be removed and... and I just find it ridiculous that, oh, there's oh so many people we couldn't possibly police what goes on. And yet they're quite able to make sure that nobody films a Chris Rock comedy special. Mm -hmm. or, you know what I mean? Like if they, if they spot you with your cell phone out, you know, you're, you're out the back door quicker than you can say Shazam. Mm -hmm. But for some reason, lobbing a banana or hurling homophobic abuse, they couldn't possibly keep on top of. I don't know. Well, I think how do you know who did it, though? That's the, that's the issue. That's the problem. It's so widespread yeah. that the Mexican football team uh, organization doesn't appear, because this is now the second time we've been disciplined for this, doesn't appear to be taking sufficient steps to stop this outrageous behavior. And a part of me, I get what you're saying. You know, we can't control the behavior of every single audience member. Yeah. But what they're doing is not enough. When oh, yeah, every, yeah, yeah. Every other country that is in FIFA is quite capable of not having this problem. You know, if it was as if it was super widespread, I would think maybe okay, possibly. But if I don't know, Mexico needs to get it under. I mean, that. it could be local culture issues. But I mean, I, I do agree that doing nothing is absolutely not the solution. I'm not trying to propose that. If anything, I'm actually thinking about how um, in the early 2000s, when there was that sort of re-explosion of pop punk, uh, they had sort of a, a bad reputation of um, very handsy audiences with uh, female audience members. And it came to a point where I think it was some 41 at one point in time stopped a concert and just said, like pointed at somebody in the audience and said, I saw you grab her. I saw her reaction. She did not give you her permission. We will not start this concert again until you apologize. And that kind of thing is a bit dramatic, but like, I don't know. You know, name and shame. Sometimes it's the way to go, and to have it come directly from um, the performers uh, in the case of a band or the the athletes in the case of a sports team. I don't know. Well, I think this is FIFA standing by its values and saying this isn't acceptable. Yeah, yeah. A part of me also feels for like the Canadian men's team who had to go, and as you're trying to focus on the ball, all you can hear is this, you know, relentless homophobic abuse 
from the stands. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if any of the teams spoke Spanish, I'm sure it would have been quite uh, distracting, to say the least. Mm-hmm. And I think this goes a part of the way when we're talking about homophobia so rampant that being fined 100,000 plus. And then I tell you in the next story that only one professional footballer has ever come out during his time as a professional footballer. Yeah, that I mean, was last week, wasn't it? it the, was the last guy in Australia? Week. I mean, this is zero surprise. You know what I mean? That when they're struggling to this degree to deal with the culture that exists, mm-hmm. is there any wonder? Apparently, um, the footballer who came out um, did actually uh, thank a uh, another uh, gay footballer who wasn't out for mm-hmm. helping to to inspire him coming out but yeah i don't know i'm i'm just not as uh well just from looking out. at uh olympic athletes so i mean tom daly and uh, mark tewksbury being the big names uh mark tewksbury being former canadian olympic gold swimmer and tom daly being uk gold medalist in diving both of them have said having a supportive audience is very good but having a supportive locker room is key as soon as you have that everything else becomes that much easier because like if practice is free of homophobia if it's supportive and if your coach is supportive and your team members are supportive then you know someone's got your back and you can come out openly so i mean there's a lot of that and fifa does have a bit of repetition i mean even uh beckham said he he sometimes doesn't hang out with the other footballers because they have different priorities mm-hmm. from him a, a, more than just him being a married man and not wanting to do some of the things that fifa athletes are infamous for but like just a, a difference in priorities and and i could see that being a thing with, with football culture for sure well i'm just uh, glad that uh, fifa is making these pretty pretty big steps Mm-hmm. I mean, this is the second time now Mexico's had to deal with this, and uh, hopefully now with it really pinching their wallets, um, the, the stadiums and the, the team will take some drastic measures to address this. And it hurts those the people who keep paying all the money to buy tickets to go see them, and they can't go because they can't refrain from being homophobic for two hours. Mm-hmm. Um, they may also hopefully rethink their, uh, their approach to this. Well, we're going to jump to our next song. This is uh, Your Sweater by Velour, and we will be back just after this. Keep going on me to the end. Too young, but I don't even care. My hair still smells a lot like you. They say you're gone, and that might be true. But I don't even care, because I've fallen into our ruins with your sweater. Just 
smells a lot like you They say you're gone and that might be true ooh, ooh, ooh. But I don't even care Cause I've fallen into our ruins With your sweater I may be a thief But I'm losing something better Welcome back to Cancri, a home of Canada's queer medium. My name is Luke Smith. My name is Sebastian. And um, one of those, well, actually, um, before I talk about the horrific thing, which did happen, um, I do want to mention that we touched on briefly a story about uh, the Marvel's Eternals Mm -hmm. and how the director of uh, Marvel's Eternals essentially said to... um, said to to disney look you know if if other countries are going to want to chop it up and cut out the lgbt representation of it um don't don't release it there you know stand by the story which is your Mm -hmm. so chloe zhao was the 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 director in question and it really was interesting to see um a major stand being taken by a marvel director but also disney having her back yeah. And uh, it seems like, uh, at least in three countries at time of recording, I believe it is the UAE, um, Sa- sorry, Saudi Arabia, Kuwait, and Qatar in the Middle East have all banned the Eternals. Um, so it, they were, you know, the public there won't be able to see the movie because the censors in those countries wanted to cut out uh, key elements of the plot. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, Disney said no. So, yeah, that's where that's at. I think in and other it, jurisdictions, they've raised the age of the movie. Yeah, I think I remember, oh, man, was it Taiwan or China? They, they had an 18-plus restriction, which is still not that bad in the grand scheme of things. Um, 
yeah, it's not just the LGBT content that countries have been cutting for a while now. There have been all sorts of stories coming out of the industry. So I, I'm glad they're standing by this. Um, although it is also interesting that they're banning a Marvel movie, which is just going to make it all the more interesting to teenagers. I don't know if you remember being a teenager and being told that something was banned and what you immediately did as a result of being told that it was banned. <laughs> I mean, I have, I have no idea. I've always been the epitome of a well-behaved young man. I have, uh-huh. <laughs> I have never put a toe wrong in my life. Heaven forbid the incident. I'm just talking about like reading Catcher in the Rye or something like that. Oh, yes, yes. I definitely read ahead of the class when I wasn't supposed to and other such offenses. Um, no, let, let's let's move on from that, shall we? Um, one of the most atrocious things that, that we said could happen, um, typically about Grindr, we talked about Grindr a lot and about people need to protect their identities has happened with a very popular LGBT dating app in Israel uh, called Atraf. Um, Atraf, this LGBT dating app, was hacked. The hackers, the Black Shadow, gave the dating app 48 hours to pay a million dollars in various cryptocurrencies. And they didn't. They didn't pay the million dollars. And um, the Black Shadow has now dumped uh, millions of listings, around a million listings, sorry, with all of the details on the users, including uh, username, passwords, geolocation, their name, their HIV status. Um, It has affected an astonishing number of um, men that have sex with men in Israel. And uh, yeah, it's apparently panic calls to um, the, the phone line for the Association of for LGBT Equality in Israel um, have doubled overnight as these men now find themselves with all of their most private data leaked on the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the Israeli Internet Association and the Ogada have issued a statement advising everyone to change their passwords. A bit late for that, I think, at this point. <laughs> Um, but they've also quite rightly advised that anyone who is now being blackmailed or have ransom demands um, around their information also uh, contact the police. Although, I don't know, when you've got tens of thousands of men being potentially blackmailed and ransom all at the same time yeah. on the same data leak, I don't know how much of an intervention the police can do at that point. I don't know what, uh, what tricks they could have up their sleeve. Mm-hmm. To hold back the tide of, of that much blackmail and, and, um, and ransom. Well, I don't think all 10,000 victims are worthy targets of blackmail. But I mean, even if it's 1%, that's still a lot of people who are, are, are good targets because blackmailers really choose their targets carefully. Um, it is tragic. And we have been saying for a while about the importance of not putting anything on social media that you wouldn't be comfortable with your mother finding out. I mean, that, that is the, the general rule of thumb. Um, what would your mother say? And, and even if it's something horrible and shameful and they're like, yes, well, you know, you're my son and you're a, a, a hot-blooded adult. So, you know, I, I wouldn't have made the same decision, but, you know, it's your life. Like, if that's the attitude that you suspect she would have, then yeah, go ahead, do whatever you want. But like, it's, if you don't think... <sighs> 
And it's got nothing to do with shame or appropriateness. It has to do with the fact that there are bad people out there who are happy to use it against you. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think there is a remarkable privilege in being able to uh, restrict your internet activity to what your mother would approve of. And I, I think my mom would approve of most-ish of what, uh, what I do on the internet. Um, About half. Maybe, maybe 40%. But that, the, the point is that for a lot of these men, yeah. being out just is not an option. Right, you know? yeah. So should they never use internet apps? You I'm know? not saying that. I'm saying don't leave a trail that makes it obvious that it's you. But this is the data that be that has been uh, leaked: the geolocations, um, HIV, the HIV status. status. Yeah. Um, you know, it may or may not be their real names, but uh, you know, if someone has the same username across multiple accounts, then not someone too difficult can figure to it out. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I I'm not putting a huge amount of blame here on the hands of the users. I think. This oh is no! A horrific no, yeah. event to happen. Yeah. Uh, apparently, the attack was on the Israeli internet provider CyberServe, um, which provides it's an internet hosting uh, service, and they provide a lot of services, including to the uh, Macon Moore Medical Institute, uh, which lost the records of about 290,000 patients of theirs. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, this is a huge issue. They're being investigated by the uh, Privacy Commission for um, Israel. Uh, to find out if there was anything that they could have done or should have done or didn't do um, that uh, that uh, could have prevented this from happening. Um, if anyone anyone in Israel uh, affected by this, there is uh, support made available by the Agadah's LGBT hotline. Um, so if you're in Israel, you can call them at uh, their WhatsApp number is 58 um, but I imagine most of our Canadian listeners uh, are probably not on the app. And if they are, they would have got some frenzied emails from the, uh, the app developers uh, probably earlier this week. Um, the last, the other horrific thing that we thought was going to happen and did, uh, the Rainbow Railroad, a highly respected Canadian uh, LGBT charity that focuses refugees around the world, uh, we spoke to them most recently in regards to the gay purge in Chechnya. Um, yep. The executive director, Camille Powell, told uh, France 24, um, and I quote, we know for sure the Taliban has a kill list circulating, identifying LGBTQI persons. Um, so this is just the ongoing story at this point. In Afghanistan. Confirmed. Yeah. Yep. Well, well yep. that's why the Taliban is, is operating now. They had announced earlier this month that they will not be recognizing LGBT rights. Mm. Um, but it seems to be going a bit further here and they have an actual list of known or suspected homosexuals that they are finding and uh, presumably killing uh, as mm-hmm. well. So certainly quite a horrific uh, development. We know that a lot of Canadians work to help refugees settle around Canada. Um Canada is a pretty incredible and uh, for the longest time unique system where a group of Canadians can gather together, I think it's a group of 12, and uh, you could sponsor a refugee and support their travel over and uh, really make an on-the-ground difference. This has helped to bring thousands of of, uh, LGBT refugees into the country and settle them in a a more permanent way. Um, Have a look in your community. See what LGBT service organizations are there. 
and see how you can help um, so we can make a bit of a difference here. Uh, yeah, Indeed. Bar uh, Seb, I hear that you know you saw this coming as well. Well, a lot of people suspected, and this was something that I remember reading a couple months ago, that a lot of countries that do um, that have a refugee status for LGBT folks said that they had plans in place already in Afghanistan, and they had been getting people out on a trickle over the past however many years. Um, but everything just happened so quickly. The, the borders on that country slammed shut so fast, they could barely get themselves out, let alone take anyone with them. Um, a lot of people got left behind, including there was a few um, Brits and Americans who got left behind and had to sneak their own way out of the country. So it was a very, very chaotic situation. And there are a lot of a lot of these organizations and a lot of these plans just fell through saying like, there's absolutely nothing we can do. It was just, it was too much, too fast, not enough warning. Uh, so unfortunately, any kind of contingency plans that existed, uh, they're all they're all gone. They they have to start from scratch to find new ways to help people. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, we did have a bit of an, an update. The murderer behind the the murder of Navaratnam Kinsman Essen, Faisi Kumar uh, Laiswick and Kayan and uh, Mamudi. Um, he, this individual was interviewed, I refuse to say his name, uh -huh. um, he was interviewed by the police, there was a recent case. Uh, say the bad man from Toronto. Yes, the guy who killed eight people, whose names I listed earlier. Mm -hmm. um, the, you know, biggest LGBT serial killer in Toronto. Actually, uh, probably world history at this point. Yeah, he, well, I know there's the, the one in the UK that's um, being investigated, well, the court case is ongoing now. Okay. Um, but yeah, no, this uh, individual uh, was initially arrested and by the Toronto Police Service, and there was a video that played during that officer's um, uh, hearing. It was around whether or not uh, the T's were crossed and I's were dotted in mm -hmm. the initial arrest of um, the individual. Um, and that was because the Toronto Police Service let him go. He then went yeah. on to kill at least one or two more people. Um, but the video apparently was wrongfully withheld from the media. There was a publication ban placed on the video. It is the only video uh, police interaction with this individual um, that was available. And uh, apparently both sides of the case um, inadvertently, it, the judge didn't seem to find fault in this, uh, okay. inadvertently withdrew the video. Um, okay. That video has now been made available to the media. So if anyone is curious about uh, the officer's interview with this particular serial killer, it's not that mm -hmm. hard to find. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. And he, he did, it, you were reading into, uh, into this particular interview and, and how it shook out. Yeah, the... <laughs> A few people who looked into it in the the aftermath uh, during the the disciplinary hearing basically said that um, they were obviously they were lied to um, because we know now in retrospect a lot more. Uh, but they were lied to in a way where it's not immediately obvious what you should say because there's a lot of officers they know when they're being lied to they they get lied to a lot, but sometimes you can guess the truth from the lie, and there are sometimes when you can't and they were saying that given the contents of this interview uh, and actually from what i saw i think it was the judge who said that the interview 
uh, was kind of uninteresting from a media point of view, which is why they didn't mind the fact that it wasn't withheld, even though it was a it, the fact that it was not interesting to the media is no excuse for them to not release it when it should have been. Mm-hmm. But um, just this idea that not much happened in it. It's just two cops talking to someone, not even a suspect at that point, just someone who they suspected knew something. Um, and nothing in particular came out of it that seemed interesting. So it's... I mean, I would I would disagree. I think the interview with him is definitely within the public interest. Oh, yeah, no, no, no. I'm not, yeah, I, I'm not saying that it isn't. <laughs> but I want to just actually mention here, the CBC only has 20 seconds of the 11-minute video, Pammy, on their oh. website. And uh, I'll quote here, uh, CBC News has viewed all 11 minutes of the tape. But as its content has previously been reported, Mm-hmm. CBC has decided to show only a short portion to limit its impact on victims' families and survivors and to reduce the gratuitous publicity of MacArthur's crimes. So similar to the approach that we are taking by not mentioning yeah. the man's name, um, we don't really want to glorify him yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because of the heinous crimes that he's committed against these eight men. Um, but yeah, I think it's interesting. I think having some of it there is, is important. And I think I'm glad that it was released um, into the public record. I'm glad that they edited it the way they did. I was actually just thinking uh, if this were in the US, they would have showed the whole thing and they would have put it on the 24 hour news cycle and talked about every split second of the whole thing in detail. So, I mean, I'm glad the Canadian media decided, you know, we're going to show it to you to, to show you that it exists. And if there's any public interest, you can get out of it what you can. But the whole thing is kind of gross. You don't need to see that. All right. If you do need to see that, ask someone. We'll we'll show it to you. You know. But we're gonna play out with. um, I am obsessed with uh, Anuma. That's A N Y M A. uh, Anuma and uh, the title track from Anuma's latest release, which is Humans. Uh, It is fantastic. A lot of buzz for this new emerging Canadian talent. Uh, very much recommend that folks give not just this track, but um, you know everything that uh, they've released so far a listen. Um, I'm very much looking forward to, to hearing this track at the end of the show. I've been Luke Smith. And I've been Sebastian. And thank you for listening. Tell me what it feels like being a human Crawling on our knees like we're animals Fighting to believe what's been lost inside And we can't get enough pain And tell me, are you scared when you fall asleep in the night? Oh darling, would you dare to stand at the front row? Shape
used to climbing the trees, we planted 